Creating your own reality. Is it possible for me? I am Jennifer Cahill, the Consciousness Architect, and I am here to tell you that it's not only possible, it's closer than you might think. Welcome to the show. Hello, friends, and thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Regarding Consciousness. I am Jennifer K. Hill, the CEO of Optimal Match and Om-Heals.com, and also the host of this show. And it is my privilege and honor to bring to you world-renowned thought leaders, physicists, scientists, and people who are really visionaries for allowing the new future to come into humanity. And today is no exception. We have with us today a brilliant thought leader with quite an interesting story, Suzanne Giesman. I'm going to go ahead and read to you a little from Suzanne's bio so you have a context of who she is and some of the incredible accomplishments that she has done throughout her career. Suzanne Giesman is a spiritual teacher, author, and verified medium who has been recognized on the Watkins list of the 100 most spiritually influential living people, as our other dear friend and guest, Irvin Laszlo, who was with us a few weeks ago, is as well. She is a former Navy commander with a master's degree in national security affairs. She served as a commanding officer and aide to the chairman of the Joint Chief of Staffs. She now shares the Awakened Way, a path to living a consciously and connectedly divinely guided life. Suzanne has authored over 13 has authored 13 books, six best-selling Hemisync recordings, and hosts a YouTube channel with over 81,000 subscribers. She often partners with the Shift Network and Humanities team and is known for her joyful and down-to-earth style of making deep spiritual concepts easy to understand. Suzanne, thank you so much. And shout out to our dear friend, Moshe Gersh, who will be joining us on the show soon too, best-selling author who connected us. So thank you. I always am grateful for all the miraculous connections that pop up like today's. Yes, indeed. Thank you, Jennifer. It's, I look, The bio is fine, but that last word at the end, joyous, that's the vibe I like. It is powerful. It's so funny. Come to think of it, Suzanne, we have never done a show focused on joy. And what a beautiful concept to really hone in on. Tell me a little bit about why the word joyous really resonated for you so strongly. It's funny because when you say you've never done a show focused on joy, in actuality, in my lexicon, you have because joy is my preferred name for God. It's not a human joy. It's the underlying energy that fuels us all. And when we're truly aligned with our true self, no matter what's going on, we feel that joy, even if it's not expressed as human joy that's out there like this. So I have regular conversations with joy, and it causes me to just bubble over much of the time in my human experience. It is so interesting. It's funny. Earlier today, for years, decades, I've been told, read Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now, and he uses the word being in lieu of God. And it's interesting because when we use a word like God or source or the universe, because of so much dogma, a lot of us almost have this visceral knee-jerk reaction of bad, wrong, I'm going to be in trouble if I don't say or do the right thing. And I love when you're using the word joy, or as Eckhart did, being, there's a spaciousness that occurs, right? There's not all these compounded 
things that we want to make it mean and that there's just space to be joy and to discuss and have a conversation with joy. So tell us a little bit about that. How did you come to know God as joy? Mm, I don't know the exact moment when I came to that word, but to come to know ourselves as the expression of this awareness came about in the most painful of ways, which is the way many of us come to this awareness. And that was when my stepdaughter, who was a sergeant in the Marine Corps, was crossing the flight line at work in 2006 and was struck by lightning. She was six months pregnant and she and the baby died seven hours later. Oh, sorry. And, and now you read about my Navy career and it was very much as you would imagine. That kind of career was very left brain, very rigid actually, and one way of seeing things. And I had no coping tools to deal with Susan's passing. In the Navy, they taught us, suck it up. And that just doesn't work. It comes out and shaking and wailing. And what do I do with this? Then you just shove it down. But it was her funeral that was an epiphany for me. I looked at this body, her body in this dress uniform, the Marine Corps dress uniform. And I looked down and I just said over and over in a bit of shock, that's not Susan. That's not Susan. And it just became so apparent to me in that moment. I just knew that we are all this energy of love, this spark of something that I now know is the divine joy that animates the body. Mm -hmm. And that was just a vessel. And I knew you couldn't kill that beautiful spark that was in Susan. So in 2006, I made it my mission, my new one, <laughs> to, to find, I got goosebumps as I said it, because I know it was a divine mission. I know that all things happen to propel us back to remembering who we are, but I made it my mission to find Susan. And I had never given much attention to meditation. I don't know if I had even tried it at that point. Probably not. In 2006, it wasn't mainstream like it is now. Back then, it was something that other people do. And I began meditating that week. And maybe since 2006, I've missed 10 days. Things, that space you spoke of just opened up in those periods of sitting silently. At first, my whole goal, my sole mission was, where is Susan? I want to feel you. I want to see you. Come to me. Come to me. And she didn't come to me for several years, but I was so determined to sense her. I stayed with the practice and that practice brought so many gifts, so much opening and ultimately along that journey to the awareness of joy as us. We are joy us, joyous. <laughs> joy us. What a beautiful way to encapsulate that. And yes. it's so true. Amazing that the greatest hardship, the greatest pain so many of us have ever gone into 99% of the time catalyzes us towards our purpose, towards the thing. And I'll always remember actually reading a book, Many Lives, Many Masters. Did you ever read that one? Oh, of course. Yeah. Oh, like a classic. I was just sharing it with someone the other day. And I remember sitting there. I remember exactly where I was. My sister was staying in the guest room and my nephew, who was like maybe one or two years old, was in there with her. And they were down for a nap. And I just read the book voraciously, cover to cover. And I laughed and I cried. And as you went through all these emotions, you just realized, oh, 
we're all energy. There is no creating or destroying. And sometimes we lose a loved one or we lose something meaningful to us. And yet that is part of the beautiful, intricate design of our souls unfolding in what we call soul school down here. Yeah, that's exactly the teaching I've been getting from Joy in the last several weeks. And in fact, just the last two days that all of these emotions that toss us around are waves. And we came here to learn to surf. And that's why I was laughing that you said you're in Portugal yesterday. I was guided to watch the videos of those master surfers in Nazare, Portugal. Mm -hmm. And then as I'm watching the video, a song comes on in the radio in Portuguese. <laughs> it's just such a confirmation that everything that we label bad is just an experience for our mastery at rising above it and saying this, too, is part of love and expression. If I don't judge it, I don't push out anything. And now I feel wholeness. I love sharing these things with people who I teach to connect with higher consciousness. That's my calling to teach all people that we can all connect with loved ones who have passed, with guides and angels, because it's all joy. On that note, Suzanne, how would you respond to the fact that people out there listening, I like to feel into what our audience is thinking and Me saying too. in their own minds. And I feel resistance of people saying joy is not possible. Right now, I am angry. I was just cheated on. My job fired me. How on earth does somebody come from joy when they're in that place of breakdown? There comes a point where you say enough is enough. I can't stand this anymore. Perhaps at that time, you either surrender or you pray for help. And in a moment of, I call it grace, which does not have, I, I was not raised with any religion, but I found out that grace has some baggage too for people who were raised in certain religions. To me, grace is the gift of receiving something you can't give yourself. So with that definition, you receive this gift of realizing there must be something more. And the more is the higher perspective to realize Life comes in waves. Some are painful, but when we resist them, when we resist reality, we suffer. So you cannot find true underlying joy as long as you're denying the wholeness of this earthly experience. It comes with roots and rocks and bumps and falls and challenges and joys and blessings and fun time. But when we feel that the only good, the only thing we want is the great times, you're going to suffer a lot. Yeah, it really does come down to suffering is wishing that something were different than the way it was. I remember one of the first personal development classes I did in my early 20s, they gave the example of Los Angeles traffic. <laughs> For any of you <laughs> out there who have ever been on the 405 freeway heading north at 5 or 6 p.m., God forbid. <laughs> I have. Yeah, we've all been there, right? And it's, I remember they said you can either choose traffic the way it is, like the moment you choose the loss of a loved one, traffic the way it is, whatever it is, the way it is, instead of wishing it could be different or trying to fix it or shove it or push it, that's freedom. Because when you choose traffic rather than resisting it, you're stuck in traffic anyways. If you have to get to your meeting, get home, feed the kids, whatever it is, the moment you choose it, that's where that space opens up. That's where the freedom opens up. And I think that's what you might be alluding to, Suzanne, when it comes to hitting that that wall, that wall of resistance. Distance. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. 
<laughs> my guides gave me the perfect phrase and effect of the people who enjoy my work and we gather. If I say, what's the phrase we say when we're knocked off balance and when we're resisting? People in unison know it. And the phrase, isn't that interesting? Mm. That phrase in traffic or when someone dies, it doesn't matter. Big tragedy, little tragedy. It gives us this moment of neutrality where we can witness and then shift our perspective above the drama, which the human story is full of, to the soul's neutral, compassionate perspective that says, all right, what do I choose now? Am I going to surf this wave or let it swamp me? And I think a big part of that is that we do have a choice too in how long we wallow in the pain, the anger, the resentment. I get asked all the time by friends and people I coach and mentor, Jennifer, what's the secret? What's the secret to life? And the secret is it's not that you're not going to feel pain. It's not that you're not going to feel angry, upset, betrayed, hurt, sad. The thing is to allow yourself, embrace that emotion and choose how long you're going to give yourself permission to be there. That is, you and I were meant to talk today because even <laughs> that term wallowing came up this morning. I've, I'm completely in alignment with you on that one. It's a choice, but it's we have to first become aware we have the choice. Mm. So I'm so grateful to you for doing programs like this, because until you become aware that following is what we know, and yeah. the suffering then lasts longer. But I love that you also acknowledge we need to feel that pain, embrace it. Yeah, dance with it. That's the thing. It's beautiful. There's a wonderful song by Andy Grammer who says, I wish you pain. And I believe he wrote it for one of his children. And it says, I wish people break their promises. I wish this. And you're like, what father would ever wish pain for his child? And yet it's those moments of utter despair. And I share this, many of who have tuned into the show in the past, is that I've gone through depression, three failed suicide attempts. So I am not a stranger to pain. I've been there, especially when I was in my late teens and early 20s. And the thing is to realize that we have a choice. We have the power to say, and that it's not, it doesn't have to consume you. I think that's the thing is that we allow our emotions, both the good and the bad, or I don't even want to call them good and bad, both the sadness and the joy to consume us rather than allowing ourselves to be with emotions, I think would be an interesting distinction. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> Suzanne, talk to us. You talked about compassion a few minutes ago. And I think compassion right now, bar none, is the thing that if I could, if I had a magical wish that I could grant for the whole world right now, it would be greater opportunities for self-compassion, which would then allow us to have greater compassion for others. What tools or recommendations do you have to cultivate greater compassion? Oh, I just, the timing of this is, again, divine, because that has been another of the greatest teachings is I asked my main guide, why have I, why do I not feel you more? I know you're here and you always feel rigid to me, like my background, and finally became aware to me when I practiced a tool that I can teach you very quickly, mm. that I was not allowed to feel my guide's love until I truly loved myself. I always thought, oh, I love myself. I, and then I found, wait, but I don't have compassion for myself. I need to comfort myself more. So I just did this gentle little step where I put my hand on my other hand. And suddenly, just comforting myself because I'm worthy of that comfort. 
And as I breathed into that, suddenly I felt the full force, the flood of my main guide's love for the first time since I met him in 2006. And it was because he wasn't allowed to let me feel that till I gave it to myself, even though we're all part of that flow of love. And then I felt his hand go on top of mine. Cultivating compassion for ourselves is put your hand here or on your heart. And what do you feel? If you feel nothing, then pray. Ask for whoever can help you peel back the layers that are blocking the awareness of this love that is right here. Show me why I feel nothing. But in the meantime, repeat to yourself, you are so very loved. Mm. You are so very loved. It's a practice and it may feel silly at first, but sometime if you stay with it, with the desire to truly feel compassion for yourself, something will break free. You may find yourself sobbing and what a gift that will be. So many of us who are so on point with that, Suzanne, is we all have blockages. We have pain. People have hurt us or abandoned us or we've abandoned ourselves, which is a whole other episode (laughs) in and of itself. And it's those moments where we can cultivate that self-compassion. I think there's a woman named Lisa Abramson, if I'm not mistaken, on Insight Timer. And she has this little four-minute meditation. I discovered it one time when I was in the throes of pain and self-loathing. And there are these few things she says is to say out loud, I'm having a hard time right now. One feels this way sometimes. May I be kind to myself in this moment. May I give myself the compassion I need. And I love that. And that's become a little mantra is may we just give ourselves the compassion we need. I think so often too, we get even more hurt and more blockages around our heart because we expect you whoever that you is to give me the compassion, but you can't to your point of your guide, you can't truly even receive that compassion unless you yourself are able to receive it first from yourself, then you can receive from others. Exactly. And as that returns us to the awareness that we all are this love that we're seeking, that wholeness is the goal. I would love to share with you a phrase I got from a dear friend of mine named Brenda who passed from cancer in 2018, but is right here with me now helping me when I do readings for people. She came back to talk to me within hours of her passing with some of the most stunning evidence I've received in all of my work that, oh my God, she's really here. But in the first 24 hours of coming through to me, she said, Suzanne, we're all walking wounded. You Mm. can see the scars from up here. But the ones you work on, they look like little glow worms because they let the light through. Love that. Oh, my gosh. That is so powerful. And it's it can be challenging. It doesn't mean you don't miss somebody you love. Right. I think that's the important thing is some people might be saying, oh, what is Suzanne really saying that that I shouldn't feel sad that my sister, brother, mother, father, spouse just died. It's to know that their energy is always there, as you discovered with your beautiful daughter and her child who passed on unexpectedly. That energy is always there. All things are energy. This is what science is now telling us. That's why I love this show, because we get to have everybody from intuitives to some of the top scientists who are working on mathematical formulas for consciousness. And it's all intermingled. At the end of the day, it's all this beautiful energy that is intertwined together. Yes, it is. 
And it's very important that I make a point to elaborate on that truth that you just said. It absolutely is all energy. Everything is. And yet those people who passed are not just energy. They are still what we call people. They just don't have a body anymore. They are still these, the thought forms with the, with the loving memories and traits and characteristics that we remember. I know this because daily I talk with other people's loved ones who have passed and we have actual conversations in their personality style so that their loved ones here recognize them. It doesn't mean we, if we were crabby when we're here, we're going to stay crabby forever because you'll show up grumpy to me, but then they show how they're evolving across the veil. So it's very interactive there. They are absolutely energy, but they are people. It's so true. It is true that one of my dearest and oldest friends is an intuitive. And whenever she has, she'll she'll pass a message on for me from the other side. And she'll say it as though it's the person standing right there in front of you, the same mannerisms. And I think it is. You're right. They are people. And sometimes people say, why can't I connect? Tell us a little bit about that, Suzanne, in this last little bit we have together. Why can't I connect then with my loved ones? The analogy that comes to mind right away is just this, like the glowworms analogy, the, the bright sun, the blue sky is all, always ever present. That's the field, that's source. But we get these clouds that block the sun and the clouds are just thought forms that arise from decades of human conditioning and BS. I know this is a spiritual show, but BS is my term for belief system. belief system. So decades of the belief system clouds over our awareness of the connection, the love, the source that's within us all that connects us all. So we simply need to learn how to clear away the clouds. And that's what was happening to me without me even knowing it in those years of sitting in the power, as I call it, meditation, sitting in the silence. It's a power that's not ego. It's the life force that just online after decades of suppressing it with our human BS. I love that. And it's funny, you reminded me too, when we were talking about, you know, that there are still people. I remember I was lucky enough on my 40th birthday, how does life get better than this? I get to interview Bruce Lipton and Deepak Chopra at the same time. I was like, Bruce, have you ever interviewed with Deepak? No. Deepak, have you ever interviewed with Bruce? No. So that was how I spent my 40th birthday. And I remember Bruce shared with me a wonderful piece of wisdom. I think it's on that show. If you Google Bruce and Deepak's name, you can pull it up. And Bruce talks about us all being TV sets. He said, listen, if say you love watching Game of Thrones or whatever it is, I doubt Bruce would have used that one, but Game of Thrones, let's say, and you love watching Game of Thrones and your television breaks, does that mean that Game of Thrones no longer exists? No, it just means you go get another TV set and you tune in and the frequency is still there. And I just love that analogy. That's funny. I've been using that one for years. I've never heard it from him. The TV set breaks. Where did the signal go? It's still here. Just learn to adjust our dial. That's it. And people say, how do I connect? It's exactly like picking up a remote control on a TV set. You don't know how that remote control works, but with intention, you click a button expecting a certain channel to show up and it does. So you set your intention. Who do I want to connect with? The intention is analogous to picking up the remote and you say shift. That's just my, that's my teaching tool. You just shift is like pushing the button. You don't have to know how it works. It's all energy and intention. And if you have learned how to clear out the clouds, you trust 
okay, I'm now at the channel where I can connect and attune with my loved one who has passed or whoever else you want to talk to in the higher realms. And then you interact. So beautiful. I love that. Yeah, it's about shifting and just realizing that any energy alive or dead, there's now, of course, AI. It's funny. I was going for a walk on the water. A dear friend of ours is staying with us and we're walking along. He's, oh, do you know there's AI now that can help you to talk to Einstein? I'm like, I can talk to Einstein. I did one time before an interview, just in, in deep meditation. But it's yeah. funny now that there are ways that all the things that have been there existing for millennia for people who have been tapped in are now being made available. It's like the whole universe is conspiring to help us realize that we do have this capacity for infinite connection with wisdom. And that's it. I, every day when I go to in, do an interview or have a meeting, I ask that may I draw down wisdom because little old Jennifer K. Hill down here on earth is going to have her perspective and her egoic perspective. And that's why it's important that we always call for wisdom because there is so much wisdom out there, wisdom from living people, wisdom from people who have passed on. And it's our opportunity to plug into those beautiful light sources that are just waiting to fill us like the glowworm analogy you gave. Yeah. And I love analogies. I love tools. So you just snagged me with that one. Let me get one of my favorites right here. It's the disco ball. You talked about all of us having our own perspective, our own views, our own ways. Is one light in the middle out through 8 billion of us with a different angle on how to express that? Oh, I love that, Suzanne. I am just so grateful to Moshe for having connected us today. And I'd love to know from you, are there any tips or any thoughts you'd love to leave our listeners with today before we get into where to connect with you? that maybe I didn't get to ask you or something that is just really coming forward to you that you would love to leave as a message for everyone today? Yes. I, you said in the biography, I teach people about how to live a consciously connected, divinely guided life. And there are many methods, many roads leading to the same place. But this awakened way that I teach is so simple. And it's just three simple principles to remember. And we've discussed it already. But the first one is you are not only human. That's the start to recognize what if I'm not only human, then what I am I? Ask. Mm -hmm. And number two, everything is connected through one big web. I mean, you and I today with these synchronicities are just evidence of that. <laughs> and when you become aware of the web and you start looking for the connections, that's when your greater connection really opens up. And then the third one is that the creative and healing force of the universe is love. Love really is the answer. Yeah. I, I This is so perfect that you just said that. It's so amazing, Suzanne. I got a message. I was sitting one day for a full moon ceremony with a dear friend of mine who's another famous intuitive here in Lisbon. And there's about 10 or 12 of us women and we're sitting around and I had brought this beautiful Sufi playlist, Sufi whirling music, if you're not familiar with it. And we just start listening to this and we're all doing a group meditation and it's happening. And about 15 minutes or so in, I'm dead sober, no wine, no chocolate, anything. <laughs> I'm literally sitting there and I'm shown everything in the universe. Like all of a sudden visions just start coming. And then I'm shown the heart of all of humanity and I'm shown how it's broken and there's pain in it and there's cracks. And then I was shown just the same way that Kintsugi gold can fix a broken plate or cup that we too, as human beings, are meant to allow this gold, which was love, 
And that when we allow love to fill the cracks of our hearts and the global conscious heart, that it's from that place that we'll all be healed. And it's so amazing. You just brought that up. <laughs> Indeed. And I love that you brought up that it's not just our own healing, that as we heal, as our light shines brighter, it absolutely helps to heal the, as some people might say in a more dry term, the species mind, the heart of all humanity. Mm. Beautiful. Beautiful, my friend. Where can people go if they want to connect with you, they want to learn about your 13 books or your YouTube channel? Where would they go? Pretty simple. SuzanneGiesman.com. And also the go to any app store, Google Play or App Store's Awakened Way app is pretty darn helpful. Oh, amazing. So you have your own Awakened Way app. Yeah, it's free. It's free. We just put out that nice transmissions every day, fresh insights. Wonderful. I know what I will be doing. And speaking of insights, I'd love to leave one thing that came up and I'm feeling called to share it at the end of this particular show. I was at a dinner with a newer friend and it was amazing. We get invited out to somebody's birthday party and that's very intimate. And it was a small group and we sit down and much like our conversation today, Suzanne, it was just, we're talking for like hours, time and space have disappeared and we're sharing our spiritual practices before bed. And on the topic of guides, she was saying, Jen, If I ever hit a wall, she has a practice where every night before she goes to bed, she says, I take anything I'm really struggling with and I imagine putting it on a metaphorical shelf in my mind. And I ask for my guides, angels, wisdom keepers to work on it for me as I sleep and trust that as I wake up, that it will be resolved for me. And then I go to the shelf in the morning. I imagine pulling it off the shelf and asking what wisdom they have for me. What I love that she shared on top of that whole practice is she said, and if I don't have a guide that is capable of helping me solve whatever this opportunity for growth I'm going through is, then I ask to be given a new guide. And I was like, that is the best practice I've ever heard of in my life. I just thought that would be fun to share with everyone. (laughs) Fabulous. Yeah. Love it. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in, joining us here today. As always, you can find these episodes before they air on iTunes and Amazon Music and ever a podcast are played by going to my YouTube channel at Jennifer K. Hill and find the full episodes and the videos there as well. And just so deeply grateful. Thank you for your listening, for your time and intending that each and every one of you, whenever and wherever you're listening, maybe you got one little one little tidbit, something of value that you can take with you into this week, this month, and this year, and wishing you continued happiness and may you live a joyous life. Thank you so much for joining us today for another episode of Regarding Consciousness with Jennifer K. Hill. We would love it if you would take a moment and write a review for us or rate us on Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon, or whatever your favorite podcast platform is. And if you'd like to stay in touch and find out about upcoming events with some of the amazing guests we've had on the show, like Deepak Chopra and other world thought leaders, feel free to join my email list at metabizics, M-E-T-A-B-I-Z-I-C-S, Dot com. Again, that's metabizics.com. And you can go ahead and join our email list there. Thanks so much. And we look forward to having you join us next week.